Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. Welcome into the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. I'm Noah Yingling, one of the co experts of Rocks Pile. And for the first time in two weeks, I am I am very happy to report that my friend and fellow co-expert Kevin Henry is back from scouting some international prospects. Yep. Of course, he had to get his saucepans reseasoned. Um, but I am very glad to report that he did not have to fin- uh, to uh, visit his chin grinder in Zurich. So that that is something that is very, very good. I am thankful on so many levels, and I am thankful to the great Patrick Lyons for stepping in. Uh, I know you guys had a great podcast last time, and we have been all over the place, man. Since uh, since we were last together, it's crazy. Yeah, you uh, for for people that were wondering, uh, Kevin was actually in Mexico. Yep, um, because he deserves a little bit of time off, hence I, I why do. he was getting his saucepan three season. <laughs> Took a little um, break, absolutely. And then you came back to Colorado, and then went to New York. Now you're back in Colorado. For me, Absolutely. I was here in Ohio and then in Detroit, which isn't too far away, like 100 miles or so. And then I'm back here in Ohio. So so we both had some experience with American League Parks. As like you said, you were in Detroit, uh, beautiful Comerica, uh, whereas I went to New York and did uh, some things for Call of the Pin with the Yankees and Orioles in the opener of a three-game set there in the Bronx. So I know you had some pretty interesting uh, interviews, not just on the Rocky side, when you were in Detroit, but also uh, some pretty famous Tigers as well. Yes. Uh, in the in the current age, um, talked to Spencer, Tur- Spencer Torkelson, if I could talk, and um, talked to him about how essentially you in spring training, we were all talking about Bobby Witt, Julio Rodriguez, C.J. Abrams, Torkelson, a few others of, okay, we don't have this where you can – manipulate their service time anymore so let's see if they start with their teams on opening day all four of those guys did three of them are not playing very well at all especially at the plate and then there's Torkelson he's not hitting for the average but he's walking a decent amount and he's hitting for some power Um, so we talked to AJ Hinch and Torkelson as well about that um that article is on Call of the Pen if you want to check that out. Um, he talked to him a little bit, uh, to Torkelson as well, about Miguel Cabrera and 3,000 hits as well. Um, for A.J. Hinch, though, we 
got talking with him because if you did not know, he has a previous relationship with Rocky's manager, Bud Black, because, of course, Bud was the manager of the Padres from 07 to 2015. And from late 2010 through midway, like August or so of 2014, AJ Hinch was in their front office. He was originally hired as the VP of professional scouting. So talk to him about his relationship with Bud Black. And essentially, we learned that AJ Hinch has very much modeled his managerial style, especially with players, from learning from Bud Black. So here is what he had to say. You were in San Diego's front office when Bud Black was their manager. What's your relationship like with him? Great. But Blackie's been a, a, a great ally of mine since the day I, I met him and I worked with him. Um, quite honestly, I take a lot of, of how I interact with players. I learned watching Buddy in San Diego. Um, his communication skills, his, his fairness, his competitiveness. Um, you know, he's a mentor who's been in the game a long time, has done a lot of things, and um, I appreciate my relationship with him. So, yeah, very much, it, it, even with dealing with him for just a few minutes, talking with him very much like Bud Black. P- part of it is he's the he's from Stanford, so he's it's not like he's dumber than a box of rocks. And after all, he is an MLB manager, but he has a very good recall of different events, which we all know that Bud Black is very much like that. He can tell you that he threw a 1-0 fastball to Hector Villanueva at Wrigley Field for a home run. Um, and I'm, I might not even be recalling that correctly. Um, so he, he has a great memory and is always willing to talk historical stuff as well. Of course, Bud is nearly 20 years older than AJ Hinch. So he's has a little bit more history, but with that history, one of the things that Bud said on Friday, the game that was rained out, he said, I have to find Alan Trammell because Alan Trammell, of course, a hall of famer. Um, he is a special assistant with the tigers. Now, both of them, they, they keep up a little bit because they both live in San Diego in the off season. So, but their relationship has gone back nearly 40 years since they played at the same time as each other. So here's what Alan Trammell had to say about his relationship with Bud Black. Where do we start? I mean, we obviously competed against each other. Yeah. I uh, did not know him. I know he went to San Diego State and is from California, but did yeah. not know him then. Yeah, okay. But through our playing days yeah. and then, you know, coaching, and now he's a resident of San Diego, yeah. um, as I am. Uh, yeah. And just a wonderful baseball guy. Respected him, and, and then been able now to, to have a friendship. Just a quality baseball guy. Like, uh, fortunately, a lot of guys that I've met over the years, and he's one of them. And he's been doing a heck of a job, as you know, as a skipper. Obviously, started with Mike Sosha, the pitching coach in yeah. Anaheim. And uh, got a world championship there, and, and uh, kind of got his foot in the door. Is it similar because we're about the same age? Yeah. <laughs> but just a really a quality person. Got a great personality. You, you're around him enough yeah. to know that you know he can deal with all kinds of different people, which is one of the qualities of a good manager, a good coach. You, know, yeah. you get different personalities, people from all over, and that's part of your job. That's 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 coaching. That's yeah. The managing part. But again, just a quality person, and I'm, I'm happy for him. He's been very successful, and. You know, obviously, I'm on the other side, and not that I'm playing, but I'm still yeah. I'm a Tiger. Yeah. So right now, you know, uh, you know, we're trying to beat them, but when they leave, I hope they do well. So yeah, it was 
a very interesting time talking to Alan Trammell. And he, he admittedly, he said, I don't have the same memory as Bud Black has, but few of us do. I'm telling you. I mean, <laughs> it's it's kind of hard to have the same memory as him because I asked him, I said, I, I hadn't looked it up before. And that was a bad job on my part. But I was like, oh, so how did you uh, how did you hit against them? And he was like, to be honest, I have no idea. I have I know I faced them in the 84 ALCS. That's when the Tigers ended up winning. Uh, Bud Black started game one for the Royals. But um Overall, 54 plate appearances in his career, 13 for 47, two homers, six RBI, six walks, only one strikeout, which that's something you'd never see in this day and age. You face the guy 54 times and you only struck out once. So um, 277 hitter, 756 OPS. So not not off the charts, but he did fairly well. And there's only a handful of pitchers that he faced more than Bud Black. Um but yeah, I mean, in the 80s, of course, fewer teams. So you're going to face pitchers more, not to mention you had fewer pitchers. That's, of course, as we know, with Bud Black, he likes to talk history. And that was one of the things he was talking this weekend of back in the 80s. You had nine man pitching staff. So even if you were in the West and the East, you still saw the teams more because it was a more balanced schedule. But there was less pitchers. Yep. Yeah, I- and it's really interesting, you know, anytime you get a chance to talk to Bud and he goes, you know, kind of flashes back on you, you never know which way it's going to go. But it's always interesting whenever he finds these nuggets. And like you said, the things he remembers about certain games and the field conditions or what was going on at that moment or whatever it might be, it is crazy uh, the, the recollection that man has. Yeah, I mean, like I just mentioned a minute ago, when we were both at uh, Wrigley Field last yep. year, we asked him, so how was your uh, first time pitching and there? And he was like, oh, yeah, it was whatever date in 1991, his first year with the Giants. I faced Greg Maddox. I know I allowed at least three home runs. Two of them were to Luis Salazar. One was to Hector Villanueva, who was a backup catcher. Um, but, yeah, it was specifically it was uh, June 11th. And he said, yeah, I remember that for uh, the homer to Hector V in a wave that it was on a one Oh that came right after Salazar's second homer. If memory serves me. And it was like, yeah, it was a first pitch fastball over the outer third at the knees. And I was trying to get a fastball over and then he hit it out after I just gave up the homer to Salazar. So I wasn't happy with that. Like, I don't remember what I had for dinner last night. I know. You remember this start from 30 years ago <laughs> in the sixth inning in a 5-3 game. Like, uh, how the hell do you do that? <laughs> well, well, hey, let's pivot, let's pivot back to Detroit because, uh, obviously, you were there for that. You were there for Cabrera's 3,000th hit. Correct. And you know, one thing that gets overlooked, I think, a little bit in that first game, which, by the way, was just a, a bloodletting, uh, 13-0 yeah. Tigers win. You know, you talk about Torkelson, and of course, Torkelson came up after Cabrera and had the big home run to really kind of get everything started. So it's interesting how that Detroit kind of had that blend of the old and the new coming together with Cabrera on base for Torkelson to hit the homer and for them both then to score and really start that whole not-so-great first game of the doubleheader for the Rocks. Yeah, and that was one of the things with Alan Trammell, too. He said, because, of course, 3,000 hits, there's only – three guys above 2000 hits now and they're all three are 
38 years or older, so they're not going to get to 3,000 hits. Um, one of them is Yadier Molina, who said he's going to be retiring after the year, so he's definitely not going to get 3,000 hits. Um, so he said, Trammell said, who knows? It could be Spencer Torkelson for all we know. And that that's a thing where you look at 3,000 hits and it's one, not many people have done it, but just think of you can be a great player. You could be an all-star Oh yeah, for 10 years and you aren't even close to 3,000 hits because it's that's 200 hits for 15 years and nobody's getting 200 hits. So, I mean, even if you... If you play 162 games a year, which again, nobody's doing that, but let's say you get 162 hits per year. You hit, do that for 18 years and you're still at 2,916. Yeah. Yeah. Think about all the accolades that we always throw at Mike Trout, you know, and, yeah. and, and well-deserved. He's not going to get to the 3,000 hit club because of injuries. I mean, it's yeah. that simple. Yeah. He will not get there and, and he will go down as one of the greatest players to ever play this game. So, you know, I, I think that we overlook just how big of a moment that that is when somebody gets there because there was an article on Call of the Pen talking about how it's going to be a drought now until that next person with 3,000. Because you're right, Robbie Cano is not going to get there. Uh, you know, a lot of Yair Molina, a lot of the guys who are in the neighborhood, they're not going to be able to get there. Yeah, Robinson Cano is not going to get there if uh, it's any indication of how he's played this year. But yep. look with Cabrera. As we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, he's got 3,003 career hits. And you look 205, 198, 198, 197, 195, 193, 191, two with 188, two more with 180. I mean, yeah, essentially, you, that's what you have to do. And he's he has had a few years with injuries or like, for example, the pandemic shortened year in 2020 um so in 2018 he only played 38 games but you you really you cannot have more than i would say two seasons in 20 years that you're injured otherwise yeah. you aren't going to get to 3,000 hits you know and and one thing that bud black loves to say and i think it's become a little bit more of a buzzword around baseball right now is pro the professional hitter you know yeah. a lot of times they're they're called that you know and and Cabrera is the very definition of that. You know, I think that term's thrown around pretty loosely now. But you look back at year by year what Cabrera did, and and the man's a hitter. I mean, it's it's just that simple. And and the fact that he did it for that long, stayed that healthy, absolutely, he should get lots of props for that. And one of the guys, of, as we mentioned, of course, Budden likes to talk his history because Chico Carrascal was brought up. And Bobby Floyd, if you know who he is, um, but it, um, what was his name? Uh, I mentioned to him, right? Brian Dubois. Yeah, that was another one of the last time that Bud Black threw with a member of the Indians in or his at least his first time around. Um, he faced Brian Dubois at Tiger Stadium and he went a complete game with 151 pitches and he didn't realize he had that many pitches, but um, talking with him, like with Eddie Murray, because he saw Eddie Murray's 3000th hit in yeah. person. He started the day before that. It was his second to last MLB start third to last MLB appearance. Um, and 
he was talking about playing with Eddie Murray and he, he played with plenty of other guys. He got 3000 hits as well. Um, George Brett being one of them and just talking about that history where with, with most managers, you'd think, okay, we're, we're going to talk Rockies and Tigers. You don't think that Chico Carascal is going to be brought up or Brian Dubois and they're brought up two minutes in and they're like, you have to know your history. You got to be ready. And, <laughs> and I will tell you, I, I think I've taught more Kansas City Royals with Bud Black than I did in the previous years before I knew Bud Black. So, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. got to be prepped for that. Hey, um, we we talk about the Rockies because those Detroit games that you saw were really the last glimmer of hope the Rockies have shown in recent days. Uh, you know, they took two or three from the Tigers in Detroit, went to Philadelphia as we record this. Uh, it's not looking very good for the Rockies to avoid a four-game sweep in Philly. Uh, you know, and, and I think one of the biggest things to come away from this Philly series has been uh, the Rockies have just not played good fundamental baseball, which is something they were doing prior to heading into the, the city of brotherly love. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Brendan Rogers, Chris Bryant. we got a lot to dive into after the break here on the Rocks Pile, Rockies Report. And we are back, Kevin Henry, alongside Noah Yingling, the co-experts at rockspile.com. And Noah, we were talking about this uh, as we discuss and as we record this, they're down three to one in the bottom of the seventh inning, bases loaded, not looking good for the Rocks to avoid the four-game sweep. One, well, I should say two people who haven't really been in the lineup much lately, Brendan Rodgers and Chris Bryant, both struggling at the plate, although Rodgers much more than Bryant. But still, I'll be curious whenever the Rockies get back to Colorado to start a series with the Reds tomorrow, Friday, what will the lineup look like? And will either one of those guys be put on the injured list? And, yeah, with Rodgers, I think that the the injury it ex- explains a little bit more of, okay, that's why he's two for his last 40. Um, I can tell you talking with people with the Rockies, multiple people of – like, okay, so what's your concern with Rogers? Long term, they're they're still not worried, nor should they be. I mean, it's 58 plate appearances. I mean, yeah. it, it if it's the if it's half a year, if it's a whole year, okay. But it's 58 plate appearances. We're we're still in the month of April, after all. And it didn't the season didn't start until the second week of April. So it's as as Bud Black would say. Sometimes that's a, that's baseball where you have slow stretches like that. But that doesn't mean that the Rockies shouldn't be examining future things for him, at least in the interim. Does he need to possibly go down to Albuquerque? Perhaps. Perhaps he needs to go to the injured list. Um, but that's that's. How many times have we talked about it? The Rockies, their main problem is the depth. Can Alan Trejo step in that position? But he asked Bud Black uh, on Sunday of, okay, if, for example, Brendan is out for a while or or even just a game or two, have you considered moving McMahon back to second and Bryant to third? Of course, Bryant is now out with an injury as well. But he said, in the interim, I don't want to do that it has to essentially be at least a week or longer where 
will be able to do that. Chris Bryant has not taken ground balls at third base since last year. McMahon hasn't played at second base at all. He hasn't taken any grounders there either. So both of them have said, I'm more than willing to do it, but, and that they could probably do it right now. After all, they are professional athletes, but they, it would be best to get a little bit of work there and not just have it be for nine innings. Well, you know, and you and I talked a little bit about this before we started the podcast. I'll, I'm not going to be surprised if Mr. Montero makes his major league debut sometime this weekend. Uh, I think if they have some kind of injury move to make, I think he may get called up. Now, if that happens, that could put him at third and McMahon at second. I don't think Bud's going to do that because I still think it's too early in the season. And I think McMahon, you know, he's had some defensive problems at third base. Let's be honest. In this Philly series, he has. So I think the last thing you want to do is now switch him over to second. You know, because Ryan said in spring training, he was really excited about getting to focus on one position. So I think that that may not be the long-term answer. But I also think if you call up a Montero for his offensive power and what he may be able to do at the plate, which goodness knows the Rocks have needed lately, will it be something that they would consider doing that? I think that's going to be something to watch this weekend if they make that move. For Montero, by the way, to start the year, 20 games, 80 at-bats, he is hitting 288 with an 806 OPS, four homers, yeah. 12 RBI. Yeah, he's showing that power. He's showing that he can hit AAA pitching. And again, we know AAA pitching and Major League pitching are two completely different things. But I think that this club needs a little something coming back after a four game sweep. Do you inject a little bit of life in there with the Montero, especially? You know, and, and know this is something you and I really haven't talked about that much is with the MLBPA and MLB agreeing to extend their roster out a yeah. little bit further, you know, until the end of this, uh, until the end of May. I think that's really a, a good thing for guys like Montero who may get the, get a shot coming up to the major leagues from Albuquerque. Well, we should clarify that it's it's going to go down to 26, but there won't be a pitcher limit. Right. So they, originally, they said it would be a maximum of, 13 pitchers. Now it's going to be for the month of May, it's going to be a maximum of 14 pitchers. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So I I think that that's going to be something to watch. Do the Rockies make that kind of a move? Um, You know, the Reds are coming into town. You would think that if there's a way for the Rockies to get healthy, it's with the Reds coming into Denver to play a series. Uh, But uh, it's definitely, there's a different vibe right now on this team just in Philly than there has been leading up to this series. Yeah. And I mean, it's one thing talking with Chad cool this past weekend in Detroit, he said one of the things that has made it a little bit of an easier transition for him is he knows that they're playing in a competitive division. And he said, we're a really good team. The, the record indicated that in Detroit now with, presumably losing four straight because i mean now it's five one because uh tyler kinley and well now justin lawrence is in the game but tyler kinley was not pitching well um you have to look at the team and again it's april but if you lose this game you're 10 and 9 now so uh, sure you're still above 500 
sure you're facing the reds who if you don't take really if you don't sweep the reds that's a problem considering they're three and 15 and it's not like the nationals are the 27 the yankees either who come in reds yep and then they're facing the diamondbacks the diamondbacks are not the world's best team either so this is an important stretch of uh, the old baseball adage you you can uh, you can't win a pennant in April, but you can lose it. Yeah. I mean, if you in the nine games there, if you go four and five, that's a big problem. It is because then you're going to San Francisco, which, by the way, I'll be there for that series. But you start all of a sudden, the schedule gets a lot harder. Yes, and, and you know we've talked about that on previous podcasts that this was really an important stretch for the Rocks, and now I think these nine games are even more important. As well as, you know, if you look around Major League Baseball right now, you know, look at the White Sox struggling mildly, been hit yeah. by the injury bug big time. The Astros have been struggling. There's a lot of teams that are expected to do well and haven't gotten out of the gate very strong. The Rockies got out strong, but with Bryant, with Rodgers, you know, they, they've had some injuries as well. And some guys who have been nicked up a little bit, like Gritchick uh, even, you know, was out for a couple of games. So I think it's something that we also talked about. Does this team have depth to get past anything like that? And I think what we saw with Feltner's debut this season, as well as, you know, there's not a lot of pitching depth there either. So uh, this team is a, it's a razor thin line between success and not so much. And I think we're seeing that in Philly. And like with Chris Bryant, okay. He gets injured on the road. And he, uh, when I talked to him in Detroit, he said, so far for me, that's been going at the time and just going to Detroit and then going to Texas, he said, being closer to, of course, I'm paraphrasing here, being closer to sea level, it's been kind of a refreshing thing for me because I'm still not used to playing at altitude. I'm, I'm hitting better at altitude and I'm not hitting well on the road, but just with your body of going between 600 yeah. feet in elevation in Detroit or thereabouts and 5280 in Colorado, that's something that takes a toll on your body where he already said, yeah, going in there for a three game series with the Cubs or giants, you, I really didn't feel much when I have multiple day games and I'm there for a week with day games, you get less sleep. And you need sleep to recover from being at altitude. So he said, yeah, going forward, yeah, we have more night games. So that should help. And obviously getting more experience, but that's something where it could develop into something worse where they say right now with him, it's not an injury list thing, but it could be an injured list thing going back to Colorado where he feels it even worse. Yeah. And I think, you know, Whenever he's been talking about the the difference in altitude, I thought back to last year because those were so many questions CJ Crone got right off the bat about how are you feeling the Coors effect, all this stuff, and he kind of brushed it all off. So I thought just the two perspectives that Bryant's, you know, admitting, yeah, it's there, whereas Crone was like, eh, whatever. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting uh, difference as well. And and obviously, you know, CJ had a few issues as the year went along. And speaking of CJ, the 
power is still there, like you and I were talking about before we got on the air. But unfortunately, the uh, you can, it's been really a homer or not much else uh, in recent games as well. Yeah. And by the way, for Rodgers and Bryant, they're both dealing with back issues. Yep. So. If I remember right, wasn't that what Gritchick was dealing with as well? Correct. Yep. So, so there's some back issues going on there with the Rocks. So uh, it is now 7-1 to one, uh, Philadelphia. Still in okay. the 7 Yep. Yep. So, yep. So, cat. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a problem. So, no, let's you know we talked about this nine game stretch coming up, and obviously we're going to do another podcast for the nine game stretch is over. Uh, we got lots to watch with with pair of three game series at Coors this weekend with the Reds, and then a day off, which I think is really important for these Rockies right now on Monday, followed with uh, three games against the Nats. Yeah, I I think this is a big homestand. I. I, I will also be curious. What will the crowds be like? These are not two. These are not the Giants or the Dodgers or anybody with a lot of local pull. So, what will the crowds look like, knowing that the Rockies have struggled in Philadelphia? Are Rockies fans already ready to jump off the bandwagon here, or will they turn out uh, this weekend? It's supposed to be beautiful weather here in Denver. So, I'll, that's one thing I'm really going to be watching is what's the reaction. Uh, to this team coming back after a, a tough series in Philly. Yeah. And that at least uh, there's, you can't have the excuse of, Oh, it's 40 degrees there. Cause I mean, oh, no. here, and we were talking about it in Detroit with some of the people of the, uh, the series was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, well, supposed to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And the Tuesday before there was snow on the ground on Saturday and Sunday, it got into the mid eighties. Now here in the same area, they were below freezing last night. <laughs> so that yeah. uh, at least and now the Tigers aren't at home right now, but they would have the excuse of, hey, it's freezing outside, quite literally. But oh. in Coors Field, I mean, you have temperatures in the mid to upper 60s. I mean, it's, it's yeah. not 80s, but still, it's, it's, no, it's you really don't have that excuse of the weather. Absolutely not. And for those of us living in northern Colorado, you know as well as I do, this was a April where we had zero snow, which is a very unusual thing. So there's been no excuses about weather or anything else uh, because the Rockies have had good weather all the way through. And and the fans have turned out. You know, they've already had the Cubs come into town, uh, the Dodgers, obviously, to kick off the season. So what will it look like for a couple of teams that don't exactly, you know, uh, have a local presence, shall we say. So, yeah. uh, and one other thing that I'm real curious to see, uh, Noah, and I don't know if you've looked ahead to the pitching matchups, but Hunter Green will be on the mound uh, Friday for those Reds. So we'll be very curious to see the hype train surrounding Hunter Green. Especially since the last time he pitched, his velocity was way down. It was, and that's one thing I'm real curious. Will that velocity tick back up? Um, you know, we mentioned Feltner a minute ago. Obviously, Feltner was called up Wednesday uh, with the shuffle going on with the double header and everything else uh, to make sure that everybody stayed on their, their required rest. Uh, so you will get uh, Sinzatella, Chad Cool, and Kyle Freeland as your three Rocky starters this weekend against the Reds at home. Now, I do have to ask you, over or under, how many Buddy Bell stories are we going to get since his son, David Bell, manages the oh, Reds this we, week? We were- over or under two and a half? Oh, I'll take the over. That's that's an easy money, I think. 
plenty, plenty of Buddy Bell references. I have no doubt about it. I also have no doubt that even though he's now with Philadelphia, at some point during the series, there'll be a Nick Castellanos uh, reference about uh, there's a drive to left, you know, so we'll see how yeah. that goes. By the way, on that team where Eddie Murray got his 3,000th hit and Bud Black finished his career with the 95 Indians, do you know who the bench coach of that team was? I'm going to go Bell. It was Buddy Bell. I was going to say, yep. Yeah, you threw me a bone there since we were just talking about Buddy Bell. So I figured I'd, yep. I'd go ahead and chomp on that. So there you go. And then he became the manager of the Tigers. And they're awful, just awful teams in the late 90s. I mean, just atrocious teams. <laughs> uh, well, I think it's going to be interesting to see. We've got lots to talk about. We're going to have stuff every day on rocksball.com. We've got a really fun article coming up. I don't want to tease it too much, but uh, while I was in New York, did a little uh, investigative digging, shall we say, on Chad Cool uh, and some of the relationships that he had uh, with during his days with the Pirates and how those still translate over today. Uh, so you'll have to be watching for that. It's a it's kind of a fun one, I think. So, and Noah, any predictions? Anything uh, you're looking for outside of the uh, the Bell references? Um, I'm going to predict that the Rockies. They will take three, uh, three of four, two of three against the Reds, but the Nationals, I think, might be more of an issue for them. Because, I mean, you, you really, if you don't get at least two of three against the Reds, that's, that is a huge, huge issue. Yep. They're three and 15. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's, let's be honest. You know, I did the power rankings for Call of the Pen. They were number 30 for me this week. They were absolutely the worst team in Major League Baseball. Their, their record reflects it. One thing I'm, way, I'm very interested to watch with the Nationals coming in, I mean, anytime you can watch Juan Soto, come on. You, yeah. I think you've got to take advantage of that. But Josh Bell has been, uh, speaking of Bells, he's been uh, low-key really good this year. Uh, so I'm really curious to see how that translates over because that man can mash, and we've seen that before at Coors Field. Yeah, and the Nationals, I mean, that's like we said, they aren't playing well either. They're six and fourteen, but you have Bell, you have Juan Soto. I mean, Nelson Cruz hasn't even hit well to start the year. Who knows? He might heat up when they come to Coors Field. Yeah, that's a really good point. Get to see Nelson Cruz, the the legend. Yeah. The DH legend, Nelson Cruz. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, no, we will uh, keep doing stuff every day. I know, uh, not only on Rock's Pile, but you and I are obviously heavy and heavily involved with what's going on at calltothepen.com as well, uh, talking about some things other than the Rockies. I enjoyed your Spencer Torkelson piece uh, that is up on Call of the Pen right now. So, uh, we definitely, for those baseball fans, not just Rockies fans, uh, but certainly Torkelson, uh, is he, is he going to get your AL Rookie of the Year? What do you think? As of now, yes. Okay. Because, I mean, the other ones, have, Bobby Witt, I mean, he, everyone was, oh, he's going to be an all-star and he's going to win the MVP. And yeah, and no, I piped down. I mean, a dude's hitting 206 with a 532 OPS. I mean, he's not exactly tearing the cover off the ball. No. You know, the only one that I think could challenge him is if Julio Rodriguez really starts picking up steam up in Seattle. Yeah, because he's had so much hype around him. But Torkelson has as well. Tigers fans have been waiting for him for so long. Yeah, so we'd be very curious to see. And Torkelson, 
is the I I do have to tell you, Torkelson is the first player that I've ever interviewed that is younger than me. Oh, welcome to the club, Noah. See, it happens finally. There you go. <laughs> he is a he is nearly a year and a half younger than I am. Welcome to the club, my friend. <laughs> You've been in that club for uh, oh, a, a solid long. two decades now. Kevin. I was going to say a <laughs> long time. Trust me. Well, I'm glad uh, we'll pop some bubbly in your honor or something like that. So, well, hey, keep following us. Obviously, on Twitter at RocksPileFS on RocksPile.com as well as Call the Pen uh, .com. For my friend and colleague, Noah Yingling, this is Kevin Henry signing off. See you at Coors Field this weekend. And as always, go Rockies. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.